Praise God. Amen. How many love him tonight? Do you love him? Amen. 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 While we're standing tonight, we miss Pastor tonight, don't we, and their family. Uh, we're going to pray for them in just a moment. Before we do, if you're a guest here tonight, your first time coming out uh, to the Pentecostals of Anderson, I need you to do me a special favor. Please come back Sunday and hear Pastor preach. I'm filling in in his absence tonight. You need to be back here Sunday to hear Pastor preach. Very, very, very important that you remember that. Amen. It is a blessing to have a fantastic pastor as this assembly has. But let me say this as well. This assembly is going to be blessed by releasing pastor to go and visit and bless camp meetings and conferences both in this nation and abroad because everybody needs a little dose of pastor luke st Clair. that's just what i think amen his preaching his singing his family amen so right now let's just lift our hands and pray for pastor and his family right now father we love you and we thank you god for the blessing that you have given to this assembly with a fantastic pastor oh god for a wonderful shepherd and under-shepherd overseeing this assembly. We pray your many blessings upon Pastor Luke and his family tonight. Lord, bless them. Let many souls be added to the kingdom at the camp meeting in Louisiana, O oh God. Bless them abundantly, we pray, O oh God. Dispatch your ministering angels to them, we pray. In the name of Jesus, let it be done. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Forgive me a little bit of a different speed from the last time that I uh, taught here, uh, but this is the speed that I like. Uh, sitting right here like this, hey, I, love, I love to uh, spit and uh, scream and uh, uh, all of that. And you've heard me do that many times in the past. Uh, but tonight, uh, if you have a device that you could maybe take notes with, there's nothing more flattering to a teacher and flatter me tonight. That's what I'm asking. Then, then to take some notes, uh, if there's something that I've said tonight that might uh, bless you, uh, please, please uh, take it, mull it over in your head over the coming days and let it do something in your heart. The Focus 52 verse uh, this week is very important. The primary separation that you and I have from this world is the belief in one God. Uh, Bishop Bingham might uh, know this story much better than me, so he might uh, could clear this up later. Uh, it's been many years ago. Uh, there was a famous preacher, singer, songwriter uh, who uh, was at a, uh, in a valley of decision. He was uh, seeking which side of the fence to fall, on the Trinity side or on the oneness side. And he sought counsel from people who were uh, adherents to both uh, sides of the argument. And he brought in people who were Trinitarian that taught him, brought in some that were oneness uh, and taught him. He was very confused. And that night, he had a dream. And in that dream, he said that he was lifted into the heavens and he saw three thrones in the heaven. And for that reason, that man fell on the Trinitarian side of the fence. Well, I don't know what he saw in his dream, but I do know what John saw in his. 
Immediately I was in the Spirit. He said, I was in the Spirit. Got an aisle runner on Bible study. Hey, we're apostolic around here. Come on. Doesn't matter that it's my son. Amen. I told my kids if I drop, ever drop the melon, just take off running and shouting. Somebody's bound to follow, follow you. But I'm thankful to be one God apostolic tonight. All right. Uh, you can remain seated tonight uh, because uh, let's just say that I've got a lot of text uh, tonight. Actually, I've got a chapter. So I'm not going to have you stand during the entire uh, time. In fact, um, I'm just going to sit with you if that's all right. Because I believe we can sit and honor the Word of God as well. Uh, I want to honor the Word of God even whenever I'm sleeping. Amen. Uh, so tonight... I want us to, uh, we're going to talk about lessons uh, from Numbers, chapter number 20. One of the things that my pastor taught me whenever we were training was always try to have a really good catch. You know, you got to have a hook for your sermon and for your Bible study. And uh, what I learned uh, was after a little while, uh, you run out of gimmicks. Uh, I, and uh, I do believe that we can do a lot of things uh, to try to hook people. And I've oftentimes said that if... Uh, we can catch fish with artificial bait, but if you're going to keep the fish alive, you've got to have something that's real. You've got to have something, uh, something that's got sustenance to it. So tonight, no gimmicks, no titles. It's just uh, we're going to talk about lessons from Numbers chapter number uh, 20. And uh, I don't... I, I, are you ready with it back there, Numbers chapter number 20? Fantastic. I don't have my English uh, King Jesus version in front of me, so I'm going to need, need your help in the back. Let's go to verse number 1, Numbers chapter number... 20 and verse number 1, and I am going to uh, skip around a little bit. So the scripture says, Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin, the first month, and the people abode in Kadesh. And Miriam died there. Very important to note that Miriam died in Kadesh and was buried there. Miriam was, she died and she was buried in Kadesh. Verse number 2. And there was no water for the congregation. They gathered themselves together against Moses uh, and against Aaron. Verse 3. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that he had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Verse number 4. And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die there? And where, wherefore have you made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us in unto this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, We know the story. Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation, and their beasts drink. Verse 9, And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. 
And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. That should have been my title for tonight. No, I'm teasing. Hear now, ye rebels. I missed it. I missed it, Brother Miller. I missed it. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? Verse 11, And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Verse 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. There is an interesting story and lesson that we can find just under the surface here. To do this, one thing we have to do is rewind. Because there are a few things that we could say about both Moses and of his problems, as well as the problems of the children of Israel. Um, Moses was the meekest. In fact, his, one of his greatest attributes was meekness, the scripture tells us. And here he comes out swinging the bat, calling everybody rebels and hitting rocks with rods and things like that. So we're going to rewind. We're going to rewind for a moment, and we want to add a little bit of flavor to this. Because there's something, there's a backstory and a lesson for us that we need to understand tonight. And I'm going to paraphrase it, though uh, be ready. I might uh, throw one out there for you. I know you all are always ready back there. Uh, perhaps from uh, probably Exodus 32. Uh, we might go to that in a moment. But in Exodus chapter number 32, an interesting thing we find. We find that this was the instance in which God gave essentially the first words of Torah, of, of the Torah. The Ten Commandments, written by the finger of God. Right? So the Bible tells us that, uh, and uh, is it okay? Can we learn a little bit of Hebrew tonight? I mean, we're not going to do that all the time, but I began to think about it. Then they get up here and they sing a Hebrew song, and I'm like, okay, if we're going to sing a Hebrew song, bless God, I'm going to teach a little bit of Hebrew tonight. Uh, again, you don't have to... Uh, uh, no, there's nowhere in the scripture that says that you have to learn Hebrew. If it did, uh, that, would, that would, be, uh, I would be shouting it from the housetops. But there are certain things that we can learn uh, that do add some definition to the scripture. So the Bible tells us, and I'll say the word and then I'll say uh, the translation after it. The Bible tells us that when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moses, our teacher, went to the top of Har Sinai, of Mount Sinai, the Bible says... Uh, that the children of Israel had a bit of a problem. And what was the problem that they had? The problem that they had was they weren't keeping the time properly. Moses said, I'm going to go and I'll be back at such and such time in so many days. And while he was gone communing with the Lord, the Bible tells us that the Lord began to speak to Moses and said, you're going to have to get back down there. 
the people have went crazy. What were they doing? They were building an idol. An idol out of gold. So Moses goes down. He met Joshua at the base of Har Sinai. Joshua did not go all the way with him. He had stopped and left Joshua off part of the ways up uh, of Mount Sinai. When he was coming back down, they began to discuss, what is it? It, 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 it sounds like a battle, but we don't hear a victorious sound. We don't hear a losing sound. No, it's the sound of singing. Perhaps even Moses thought, well, they're having revival. Well, they weren't having a revival. They were having a backsliding convention. So the scripture tells us that when he got to where he could see with the brand new, hot off the press, Ten Commandments, that he saw what was going on. The Bible cleans it up nicely and says that they were at play. Cleans it up very nicely. It keeps it rated G. What they saw was not rated G. There were people running around without clothes on and all of these things. And so, not only that, there was an idol in the midst of them. Even the very brother of Moses had allowed some things to happen. And there's a few, uh, there's some stories and some narratives as to the reason why that he did that. But listen very carefully. Because the Bible tells us uh, that the children of Israel began to play and began to build an idol because they thought Moses wasn't coming back. He got us out of Mitzrayim, out of Egypt, and now he's left us. He said, now that we got out of Dodge, I'm really getting out of Dodge. Let, how am I going to feed all these people? No, that's not what was happening. But what was it that changed the hearts of the people? It's very uh, easy to understand when we know who was with the children of Israel. It was not only Hebrews. The Bible tells us that there was the mixed multitude that was among them. The mixed multitude was the uh, problematic part of this. The reason, think about it, we, we live, we straddle the fence today. Because we say that daybreak is when? When the sun comes up. But when do you turn the page on the calendar? Midnight. The Bible says that the evening and the morning were the first day. Right? The evening and the morning. That's the reason why that every Jewish holiday and even Shabbos, even the Sabbath itself begins at sundown. Because the evening and the morning were the first day. So the day begins at sundown according to Hebrew teaching. So the Hebrews allowed the mixed multitude to mess with their mind so it caused them to count the time wrong. Because of all of that, they got in a hurry and said, He's not coming back. So the mixed multitude kept giving its injection. We can look into the Hebrew and see that it was actually the mixed multitude who was doing all the talking that we see in Exodus chapter number 32. They were the ones that influenced Aaron. They were the ones that caused the, uh, the golden calf to be built. And all of these things were going on. So here comes Moshe Rabbeinu with the tablets of stone. He's walking down. God has written it with his own finger. And when... He sees what's going on. What does he do? 
He breaks them. He was the first one to see the Ten Commandments and the first one to break all ten. Humanity didn't have a very good track record from the beginning. I mean, think about it. The very first set of brothers got into a war with one another. I mean, it doesn't take humanity long to mess it all up, does it? So Moses breaks them. Then he does some interesting things, this meek man. He gets angry. He said, hey, those of you that are with me, come on. The Bible says that there came many from the tribe of Levi and stood with him. He said, each one of you, go and kill your brother. Go and kill your companion. The same day, 3,000 people died. But don't you recall that while he was on Mount Sinai, did not Moses say, God, maybe they're going to repent of this? And so the Bible says that the Lord repented of the evil that he thought to do to the children of Israel. An interesting thing to think about. Now who was doing the killing? Moses was ordering it. So the Bible tells us Moses was mad. My mother, bless her heart, uh, she's a, a piece of work. Uh, love my mom. Uh, she pray for her. She had a debilitating stroke last autumn and is in a nursing facility and uh, wants to go home. Uh, a lot of things have to happen before that, but uh, do pray for her. My mother loves geese. And our home was filled with them. Would have been great if every one of them were made out of wood. Because I was a boy that loved to swing ball bats and throw baseballs in the house. And, and uh, me and my posse would get all crazy sometimes. And porcelain geese all over the house. My, my mother's favorite one got broke. Knocked it to the floor, shattered into a million pieces. My mother cried. And then I cried. You know why? <laughs> Didn't take long. Felt awful about it. In fact, the head, it was actually a porcelain uh, goose cookie jar. There wasn't any cookies in it. If there were cookies in that, it might not have gotten knocked off the table so easily. But I didn't try to tell mom, mom, if you would have had cookies in that, that wouldn't have. didn't try that with mother. She would have got the barbed wire out after that. She still has the head, just the head of it uh, in the house because the head didn't break. So she kept the head of it. I know how bad I felt whenever I broke something that was very important to my mother. And all of us know what it's like if you break something that someone holds dear. But can you imagine being so full of fury that the creator of the universe, you were able to witness him write his law with the, his own finger. And now you get so angry that you break it. Wow. Now let me tell you what I would have been afraid of. Getting dead faster than quick. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, and it's amazing. Did you ever notice God never punished Moses for that? Isn't that amazing? He never rebuked him for it. He never said, I went to all the trouble to carve this stone out for you. And you... First thing you do with this, break it. 
The reason is because when we're talking about anger, it's not always the matter. It's the heart of the matter. Where was the heart of Moses? His heart was still correct. Exodus 32, 32. Let's see uh, what we can find there. Here's where Moses' heart was. After all of this transpired, here's his heart. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. You know, it's one thing to get angry, but whenever our indignation becomes unrighteous, there's always going to be a punishment to that. But the heart of Moses was in the right place. He had righteous indignation. So much so, he wasn't filled with pride. He didn't think he was better than everybody else, even though they had backslid. And here he came carrying the word of God. He said, no, I want them to be saved. I want them to walk holy. And if you can forgive them, please do it. But if not, take me with them. His heart was still in the right place. Brothers and sisters, anger is an emotion that Hashem, the Lord, has given to all of us. But too many times it can be misplaced. In the very same way that sexual passion, a gift from God Himself, that He has given unto humanity, it can be used properly or in incredibly sinful ways. The emotions that God has given to us, especially with anger, and especially with feelings of pride, can all be misguided. We're going to talk about pride and ego in a moment. So we fast forward from this point in time. Early on in the game, we're still in Exodus. In chapter 32, what was God doing? He had mercy on the situation because Moses' heart was still in the right place. But when you go to Numbers 20, some things have changed. We're going to learn a few Hebrew words here. Some of them are in proper names. Sometimes we get the Hebrew word in a proper name without knowing its meaning. And even though that's the case, we can find some interesting things throughout that entire portion of Scripture that are all a reference to that proper name. An example, our text tonight. They came to a place called Kadesh. Can anyone translate? Brother Stephen says holy. That's right. The word Kadesh means holy. Use the word Kadesh and Kadusha for holiness. They came to the place and they settled in holiness. And when they settled in holiness... Who died? Miriam. And they buried Miriam, Miriam there. It is the Hebrew for the word Mary. So the mother of the Messiah 
had the same name in Hebrew. Now I want us to think about this. They settled in holy holiness. And can anyone translate Miriam? Bitterness. Bitterness. Now Brother Miller jumped ahead of me because this word is interchangeable with a word in English that is incredibly important for us to recognize. When you settle in holiness, bitterness has to die and be buried. Didn't say they settled in holiness and they started to look right. That's all important too. There's a lot of things that are directly connected to holiness. And absolutely that is one of them as well. But there are often times in our life where people might look right. But Miriam is still alive. Miriam's not buried. There are, there's no fluff in the scripture. I tell my students this all the time. There's no extra words. It's all there for purpose. Would it have been enough to say that Miriam died there? Naturally, we would have said, yeah, they buried her there. They, they didn't embalm yet. They weren't going to take her and drag her back somewhere else and bury her. No. Dead and buried. Where? In holiness. The concept of holiness will affect everything about us all the way to our core. If it doesn't, we're not yet dwelling in Kadesh. We're not yet dwelling in holiness. So the Bible says that they got there, but God had something that He wanted to teach them. Guess what? When you get to Kadesh and to holiness, you've not arrived yet. Some people think, I've got it right. They look at me and they know I'm apostolic. No, you, you, the, no, no, the plane hadn't landed yet. You're still in mid-flight. There's a lot to learn. In fact, we have to continue learning until we take our last breath. Amen. And I'm the one that's hoping there's a library in New Jerusalem. Maybe you don't. I do. I'm going to live long enough to read all the things I want to read. There was no water. They gathered together. The translation says that they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. They were in a place of holiness. Miriam's supposed to be dead. Now they've come together against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses. They spoke up saying, you know, we've come out here to die. We could have died anywhere. You brought us out here to die. Why have you brought this congregation to die in the wilderness? To bring us out of Egypt. When you look at it, the Hebrew, it's really interesting because they said to bring us out of Egypt to this evil place. You see, they were so blinded by something that they no longer recognized 
that Egypt was the evil place and that they were actually free. Sometimes we forget that we're free. Sometimes we forget that Egypt is the evil place. Did not the scripture say that those who will call evil good and good evil? It's a sign of our times for sure. So then they began to name the things that they had in Egypt. But completely overstepped the fact that they were in bonds. So the Bible tells us that Moses and Aaron went uh, from uh, the presence of the congregation and they fell down on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. We know the story. So now God has said, okay, take this rod. Again, why would God say take the rod if he wasn't going to use it? These are the questions I ask myself whenever I read the scripture. Wait a minute. If God wants me to speak to the rock, why is he saying to take the rod? Because holiness is a place where lessons are learned. Will you still obey me whenever your comfort zone is in your hand? All the miracles that had been done with the rod, will you still believe me enough But the problem was now the infection that was in the hearts of the children of Israel had now come into the hearts of their leaders. Now they weren't so far from coming into the Holy Land. But this is what happened. Moses, remember the meek one, The one who said, if you're not going to forgive them, blot me out. Now he gathers them together. And he cries out. Shemana hamarim. Hamin hasila hazeh. Naitza lechem maim. Must. We fetch you water out of this rock. He was now blinded by ego. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? Because of his anger and his frustration, it caused him to take an action that wasn't truly who he was. Brothers and sisters, that's what anger does. It makes you someone who you are not. And this is exactly what happened with Moses. His anger and his frustration, the behavior of the children of Israel, made him someone he was never meant to be. And because of that, his ego swelled. He called them rebels. Now, I want us to think about it for a moment. Was he right? There are a few narratives amongst uh, Chazal, amongst the commentators. Some of them say he was not right to call them rebels. 
The reason he was not right to call them rebels is because being thirsty is something that's natural. To cry out to them because of that was perhaps wrong. Either way, his mindset poisoned him just enough to cause him to miss what God had commanded him to do. God said, speak to the rock. And what did Moshe do? He smote it. How many times? Twice. Anybody know why? Sister? That's a very, very good explanation. Chazal says two different narratives. One of them was that he hit the wrong rock. Kind of interesting. The other reason, which is the side on which I fall because of the continuity of the rest of the scripture... He hit it the first time and nothing happened. So he thought, bless God. You know how it is. Get mad at something. You want it to break. If it doesn't break, what do you do? A little bit harder this time. (laughs) He hit it a second time. Why did the water come out if Moses was disobeying? Because God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. Praise God for that. But disobedience never comes without consequence. We pay for missing the mark, for sinning all of us in one currency or another if we choose to walk in rebellion against God. All of us will. And in this case, in a place called holiness, God punished Moses. Why? God said, Moses, because you believed me not to sanctify me. This word sanctify. You believe me not to sanctify me. Before the eyes of the children of Israel. You will not bring this people into the land which I've promised them. Wait a minute. In English, now it's the same word in the Hebrew, but let me, let me quiz you on your English grammar and vocab. What is another word for sanctity? Holiness. I heard it over here somewhere. Holiness. God said, because you did not believe me, to sanctify me. Where were they at? They were in the holy place. Okay, They were in Kadesh. And God said, because you believed me not, to sanctify me. It's right here in the Hebrew. The word Kadesh is used again to sanctify me. We brought you here in this place of holiness to teach you a lesson. And you did not believe me enough. But wait a minute. Were there people that died in the wilderness? 
Who was it that died in the wilderness? Which generation? The unbelieving generation. I mean, come on, let's really think about this, brothers and sisters. Their shoes didn't wear out in the wilderness. But the unbelieving generation were expiring left and right. He said, you didn't believe me. Because you believed me not, your testimony is going to have to be the same as the rest of the unbelieving generation. All because Moses allowed his anger to get the best of him. There is a connection to holiness and righteous anger. Not unrighteous anger. Be ye angry and... Anger is an emotion that God has given us. But brothers and sisters, if there's one lesson we can learn from this, it's that one moment of anger can destroy your life. It can destroy your family. It can destroy your testimony. It can take the holiness right out of you. Yesterday I was driving to Indianapolis for a a function at the shul there. And... I was listening to the radio, and the whole radio was a buzz about some fight that happened at uh, Disneyland, I think it was. Did anybody, anybody see that? A, a terrible thing. And so, I, on my way to Indy, I, I heard it on my way back. It was still on the, on the radio. So whenever I get back to the house, uh, I sit down, and I'm like, maybe it's on YouTube. I pulled it up on, on YouTube. A terrible thing happened there. What a terrible testimony. And while some people were even on the radio laughing about it, and I know that there's been uh, memes and things going on uh, around on social media about it, I told my wife, I said, I almost cried. I was fighting, fighting tears about this here. This family went with the intent of having a good time. I mean, you don't, you don't go to Disneyland uh, for MMA or anything like that, I don't think, anyway. I mean, nobody goes to Disneyland like, as soon as I see Mickey Mouse, he's going to get it. Nobody does that. But one moment of anger spun out of control and was sprayed on everybody else around. And now guess what? Because of the world that we're living in, of mass media, it's everywhere now. It has that kind of an effect. For this reason, brothers and sisters, we have to be very careful with our behavior. We have to cool our tempers. We have to be careful what we say. Because what you say truly can bring life or death to someone else. So the Bible uh, gives us an interesting uh, thought here. Moses was never punished for breaking the Ten Commandments. Never. But he was punished for hitting the rock. He broke two stones... In Exodus 32, God didn't do anything because his heart was right. But when his heart was wrong, God said, Moses, you're going to have to pay for this one, buddy. It's not always the matter. It's the heart of the matter. If you and I were to weigh this out, I want us, let's, we're human. We're Holy Ghost filled, but we're human. Weigh it out. 
Which one do you think is worse, hitting the rock or breaking the Ten Commandments? I mean, that's easy for me. But God never punished him for the one that we would naturally think was the worst one. The reason? Because God could see what no one else could. And that was the heart of Moses. So, the Bible tells us that as Moses spoke out to them, he called them something. And I'm going to quiz you on your Hebrew right now. Everybody ready for the quiz? Yeah, you don't get to go home until you ace it. We're going to be here. No, I'm just teasing. God, when God said, listen now, rebels, I'm going to say it in Hebrew. And I just want you to hear without looking it up on your phone. Just listen. We learned two words at the very onset of our lesson tonight. Now I want you to listen carefully. Shema'una. Hamarim. He called them rebels. Hamaraim. Miriam. It's the same word for rebel and bitterness. Now this is where I want to leave here and go up to the pulpit and smack it. You know, sometimes you just have to smack the pulpit. And this one's strong. I know, Bishop Bingham, this is a strong pulpit. Because I preached behind one, pastor behind the exact same one for four years. You go to Wabash and see the pulpit, it's the exact one. Amazing to think about that bitterness and rebellion... There are two words in our language, but in Hebrew, they're just one. Bitterness and rebellion are the same thing in Hebrew. Let me say it like this. Bitterness and rebellion in the kingdom language is the same word. So, some of us might say, I'm not an idol worshiper. I'm not going to the palm readers. I'm not reading my horoscope. I'm not calling the psychic hotline. I'm not meddling in witchcraft. I'm not a Wiccan. But the Bible says that rebellion is as what? Now in Hebrew we say rebellion, but let me say it like this. What would you think if I changed it out and said bitterness? That's the sin of witchcraft. Bitterness. In Hebrew it's the same. There's no difference. And the reason is simple. Because when a heart becomes bitter, the heart feels forced to rebellion. But the truth is, it's all a mirage. The alternative to bitterness and going the way of rebellion is repentance. If we only knew that repentance is the answer. Repentance. Yes, coming up, let God refill you with the Holy Ghost. That's all a fantastic thing. 
But I know some people who can speak in tongues very beautifully, but still have so much bitterness in their heart that they can't speak good about their neighbor. That's the reason why that bitterness is as the sin of witchcraft. We've got to be careful with our words. We've got to be careful with what we say to our brothers and our sisters, to our neighbors, those of the household of faith, and especially those that are out in the world. There's a, a, a rabbinical school of thought that says it is more an offense to God to offend a non-believer than a believer. The reason? Because the believer knows how to forgive. The believer's already in the fold. But if you offend that person in the world because of your bitterness, because of your evil speech or, or your hatred, come on. We're living in a, in a world today that's divided by race and culture and, and social status. We've got to repent of that stuff. We are all created in the image of God, every man, both Jew and Greek, both male and female. doesn't matter how, much, how many zeros are in your bank account or if you only have one zero in your bank account. We are all one together. But our speech can cause us to miss it. The way that we talk. The way that we allow anger to get a hold of us. You know why Peter cussed like a drunken sailor? Did you know? You knew that he did, right? It was actually, it was a drunken fisherman. I'm sorry. A sailor. Close enough. Thank you. Why did he? Because when he denied the Messiah, they said, no, your speech betrays you. I'd just like for all of us apostolics when we're out walking about in the world that our speech would betray us. We can't hide who we are because of how we speak. We can't hide who we are because of what we speak about. Oh boy, I'm about to stand up and go get on the pulpit. Come on. Amen. Our speech should betray us. They should know who we are. This world should know who we are because of how we carry ourselves. When you're on the job, don't pour fuel on problems and, 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 and all kinds of disunity on the job or in the school or in the family. Blessed are the peacemakers. How are you a peacemaker? You don't get on the side of anger. You don't get on the side of dispute. Come on, somebody. Misery likes company. Everybody likes to build a team. But whenever we understand that God has called us to be in Kadesh, to live there, to be holy there, and to allow ourselves to be a witness there. That's what God has called us to do. So an interesting point, and I am closing. An interesting point that I want to close with today. Every one of us in this room are going to be tested about what you have heard tonight. For some of you it might be perhaps even before you leave this place of Kadusha Gadol of great holiness, the house of God. 
Some of you, it might be on the drive home. Oh, yes. Road rage. We all need to work on it. Oh, I'm compat. Oh, I felt that one right there. I felt a witness. I am compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses tonight. Come on, somebody. We all know what it, that feeling that comes over us when somebody cuts us off or when you cut somebody off and then they drive by you waving at you with one finger and it's not a thumbs up. That's happened to me recently, so I'm speaking with experience here. We all know what it's like. But we have a choice. We can either protect Kadesh, Kadusha, the holiness, and remain epistles to be witnesses unto the Lord, or we can erase that line of separation between us and the world. It's our choice. Tonight, as we stand to our feet, I have oftentimes taught that none of us know the time when we might come down off of our mountain. I mean, can, I want you to imagine for a moment that you're Moses and you're coming down off of the mountain. You've been on the mountaintop. I've been on the mountain. Hey, we know that sermon. You're in the mountaintop and you come down and now suddenly nobody's doing what you think they ought to be doing. And we all know that feeling when things aren't going our way. We have a choice. Even if we break the Ten Commandments, let our hearts remain pure in holiness. Even if we can't seem to snuff out the anger, let our hearts still be right. These are souls that God loves. Listen, there are some things going on in the world today that sicken me. Some of it makes me angry. Some of it makes me want to break some stones, some stones over some people's heads. Come on. Sometimes I don't want to hit the, the rock. Sometimes I want to take the staff and knock some sense into somebody. We all know that feeling. But we all have the choice to say, No, I'm going to keep my witness. I'm going to love my family. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to love my brothers and sisters. The reason is very simple. Because God has commanded it. When Moses allowed his ego to get in the way, it suddenly became all about him. Notice the connection. We spoke of the connection between bitterness and rebellion. But notice the connection between Moses' anger and him turning inward. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? As if they were the ones doing it. You see, suddenly it all was about him. Yes, sir. All about him. That's what anger does. And when you feel that anger come up inside of you and you start feeling that ego rise, snuff it out as fast as you can. Because if you don't, there is a punishment that will come. You will pay for it in one currency or another. Some people, if they're not careful, hear me, 
they're not careful, they might not cross over the Jordan River into the Holy Land. You think about it. Think about what God did with Moses and everything that he did do. He missed crossing over all because of his anger and his ego. That's not the side I want to be on. I'm thankful for this lesson that we can learn from Numbers chapter number 20. Um, There's so much more I wanted to say tonight, but I said I want to get him out before 8.15. In fact, if I can get him out by 8, it would be better. I missed that, Mark. Now, you can't leave here and be angry with me after this lesson. Okay. See, I just protected myself, didn't I? Amen. I want to live in holiness. And I want it to not just be one thing or the other. I want holiness to envelop me. I want it to envelop me inside and out. Let's lift our hands where we're standing tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. God, our biggest enemies oftentimes are our own ego, our own bitterness, our own rebellions. Oh, God, protect us from that, that we might walk in truth and in holiness. Oh, God, I pray, Father, that every one of us in this house tonight would bury Miriam. Bury Miriam in holiness. But, oh, God, let us continue to walk in that holiness. God, let us continue to walk in truth. Oh, God, let us continue to walk, Lord, in control of our passions and our emotions tonight. Bless us, oh, God. Bless us, oh, God, with your word. Every day that we live, let us be washed by the water of your scripture. We give you thanks tonight for your presence that we feel in this house. Lord, bless your holy people, I pray tonight. And God, when it comes time for our testing of what we have heard tonight, Lord, help us to pass the test. We give you thanks and we give you praise for all of these things. We ask them in your most holy name. What is the name tonight, church? One more time, let's shout it. Amen. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? Let's give him praise.